Welcome back to Mind Over Movies and VHS and Laserdisc and Blu-ray and beta beta tapes. And Today we're getting paid by the minute for this one, so you better you better buckle in, baby. It's gonna be a long one. Finally, Elon Musk, our our first sponsor of the podcast, we're excited to announce. You know, he just became the richest man in the world, and he's looking for a good way to spend it. Let me tell you, our our movie opinions, priceless. Priceless. You're gonna want to buy stock in our opinions gonna they've got stature now casey give me some of those salacious movie movie takes of yours um so yeah here's one you know to start out with um y'all guys know the movie the thing you know john carpenter oh Oh, the remake the the 1982 oh no Uh, not that one i'm talking oh yeah wait yeah 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 i am talking about that one sorry i always forget it's a remake but yeah did you know and then there's a remake of that? That's true. <laughs> there's like the 2011 remake or something like that. Yeah, which is actually a prequel. Yeah, it's uh, so. Now we're just confused. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway, I was just gonna say that the thing is actually uh, communist propaganda. Um, just so you know. Really? No, I I have no fucking idea. I just thought. <laughs> <a real thing. laughs> I was no. like, damn. <laughs> About time someone made something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love The Thing. I love the 1982 The Thing. I actually just got around to watching it, like, actually not that long ago, just a couple few months ago, I think. Um, really? And I, yeah, and I, I, I highly, highly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great film. And now, uh, you know, the his other film, uh, They Live, is on my, uh, is on my watch list because... Uh, that's yeah, that just one's like pretty iconic. I just, uh, I definitely don't like it as much as the thing. Like of John mm-hmm. Carpenter, I prefer like more of the horror. Like They Live is a pretty is a pretty fun satire. Though. Right. Just, I don't know. I think the best aspects of it channel his other movies and like the the fight scene between him and uh, Keith David or mm-hmm. is it David Keith? What? No, I think his name's Keith David. I always get the names in the thing. Mixed up. Yes, Keith David. Yeah, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Their fight scene in that movie is awesome. Just like seeing a pro wrestler and someone like Keith David like throw down for like ten minutes. <laughs> That's just great. Yeah. Have you, Have you seen his film Escape from New York? Yes, I have with Kurt. With Kurt yes. Russell. Ugh, dude, that film. It's so weird, but it's so. I don't know. It's like it's so good to me. Like, like when I first started watching it, I I was a little bit bored at the beginning, and I was like, "This looks so stupid." But like, after finishing the film, I was like, "That was actually kind of awesome," and I can see how people like it. And it's it's an interesting film. Um, to I think watch. Uh, it, it it reminds me of like the the older Mad Max movies where like they're not yes. really concerned about like tying it into anything, and they just do like an apocalypse story. But I think I prefer Escape from New York over like the older Mad Max movies. Like I think mm-hmm. I think I just think that's more interesting that they're in that like city and like the the hierarchy there than like you know oh desert wasteland with cars. I mean obviously Fury Road since then has probably really stepped up that franchise. But like mm-hmm. I think Escape from New York is is one of my favorite just like pure sci fi apocalypse movies it's just awesome it's it's a romp dude and the the politics in it is so funny uh and escape from la i hear is even like more like uh you know like talk like like, i've heard it's not as good no definitely not but like in escape from la it's like the president is like uh views uh that this earthquake uh is a like a like a a sign from above uh and so he makes like his own like colony 
where uh, he like basically punishes people for you know immoral crimes uh, based on uh, basically based on uh, super um, extremist evangelist uh, views. Oh, uh, not not like topical at all. <laughs> no, definitely not, not. Definitely not. Yeah, he was. Uh, I I get the feeling that John Carpenter was a staunch. Uh, democrat um maybe just a just a little bit perception maybe yeah is it was is he still alive like i actually do not know if uh john carpenter is still kicking (laughs) uh i actually don't know either i think i think he died uh oh dude no he's 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 going oh he is oh i was thinking of uh i was thinking of romero romero died yeah romero died Wes craven died i mean yeah. John Carpenter's old. Oh, but, definitely. Like, he's still yeah. kicking. It, it seems. I I so, don't know that he's made anything recently though. Oh no, no. I feel like definitely he's been not. done for a while. I feel like was it? It was his last movie in the mouth of madness. Um, it was nineteen ninety four. Um, no, I think he did one about Mars. Oh yeah, he did a movie in two thousand one called The Ghosts of Mars. Um, oh, Ghost it of was Mars. Like a box yeah. office and critical failure, and he kind of went into um, he went into retirement after that, or like semi-retirement, and now he's just like doing music and producing movies. Like he's produced all of the Halloween remakes, right? Um, and he actually did the music for the new remake, like the newest one. It seems like really. Yeah, he's focusing in on his music. And I oh mean, yeah, he's he's credited as a composer for twenty five films on on Letterbox, mostly all his films too. He and, he's good too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, oh. I, I I totally think he can pursue that because I mean he's proven himself to be a very competent like uh, film score guy. Like, right. I think I think uh, you know Anicia Morricone deserves all the all the praise for like movies like the thing. Cause I mean, he just has two notes in that movie and he makes it like very ominous, but like mm-hmm. John Carpenter, I believe did the, did the Halloween uh, theme song, which is now like one of the most iconic yeah. pieces of music ever. Like, yeah, he did all of the music for the original Halloween. Yeah. I, I he, yeah, he did the music for the newest one and he's doing the music for the, the, I didn't know this, but, um, Blumhouse has has their uh, Halloween uh, trilogy basically already mapped out with the next one being Halloween Kills and then the third one being called Halloween Ends. Um, I'm really excited to see how this trilogy goes. Oh, I um, gotta see the first one still. still bro, the, bro, the first one is is good. Like it's not. Um, I don't think it's super bad at all. It's super reminiscent of you know the very first Halloween with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um. But um, it's so it's a lot more violent, you know, than the yeah. Uh, like Latin. they they've modernized it to yeah. like our standards, like because that's the thing. If you go back and watch like the the original Halloween in the seventies, like it, it it feels pretty tame by mm-hmm. today's standards. But you gotta realize, like, oh, this was pretty edgy mm-hmm. back then. Definitely. Uh, I uh I watched a movie that I felt like kind of bordered on like edgy but was mostly just like satire this week have you seen greener grass i have not what is that about Ooh, so this is a uh this is a movie that came out in 2019 it's got uh one of my favorite um snl cast members beck bennett in it and darcy carden from like the good place and stuff uh and it's essentially just this like 80s style um comedy about like suburban life but it it reminds me more of like absurdist theater um and like you know like really biting satire of like the 70s or 80s like i haven't seen something that's like been as aggressive towards like white suburban life in a really long time like it's it's funny and like things happen that don't make sense like the the couples, uh, like, <laughs> have a husband swap at one point at the beginning of the movie. The, the film starts with, like, 
the main character giving her baby away to her neighbor. She says, like, do you want my baby? And she's like, yeah, I've always thought your baby's kind of sick. And <laughs> she's like, well, here, you can have it. Um, and she just gives her baby to her, her neighbor right at the start of the movie. And that sets <laughs> what the, the hell? Yeah, it's just like not a lot of it makes sense literally but i think it's like one of those movies where on deeper analysis like you can see it um it's about something else like and i really wish there were more youtube channels that did just pure um theme analysis than like what the h did that ending mean for <laughs> like right midsummer 2019 what the heck <laughs> what oh, did that mean <laughs> We're going to explain it. We're going to break it all down today and explain it in excruciating detail and probably um, go over the plot about three times before we tell you what we think the ending is, even though you already know what the ending means because it's really, really simple. Well, I don't I don't know when like channels like that became about like summarizing what happened in a movie rather than like analyzing, but it's been a thing for a while I think Definitely. that's got to be, like, my least favorite style of film review on YouTube is when, like, someone just watches a movie and shows clips from it and then, like, makes really lame jokes throughout it. Like, just yeah. review, like, the themes or, like, give your opinion on the movie. Yeah. I don't want to be... The actual filmmaking. The... Like, if I wanted to hear what happened in the story, I would just watch the movie and I would see yeah. what happens in the story. I don't need you to explain it to me. Um Unless, like, it was really confusing, but most of these movies that these explain channels cover, I feel like, are just your typical movie. Like, Star Wars, for some reason, gets a lot of, uh, that 2019 Rise of Skywalker scene explained. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's something the audience knew. Like, right. Oh, Ray's hearing the voice of all the Jedi. Like, <laughs> you didn't bring any insight to that. You just told yeah. me what I already knew. Who are those voices at the end of Rise of Skywalker? Believe like, it or not, that was Yoda. The one that sounds like... <laughs> Remember the little green alien guy? Yeah, that's Yoda. <laughs> he was even in... This might be a cheeky reference to The Last Jedi, where Yoda <laughs> appears. <laughs> Which is an Easter egg to the original trilogy. Yoda is a character, and and when and and you know when they bring up the Last Jedi, they have to they have to go over the whole plot of the Last Jedi before they go into like what they were the talking about with Yoda or whatever, and then they have to mention Ryan Johnson, and then uh, and then and then the video's boring and art is dead. So the art of film criticism, at least, indeed. But, um, yeah, I feel like this this movie would definitely not um, see serious analysis on YouTube. And I also feel like this could be a very divisive movie, Greener Grass. Like, I, I, I can see how someone might go into it and it's not really their cup of tea. But, like, uh, it's on Hulu for free. Um, I believe it is available to rent on Amazon and Google Play. So, like... I, I would definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you have a Hulu account. Like, it's very short, just an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, nice. And it's got, it's got a lot to unpack there. So, yeah, cool. that, that's my recommendation for the week. I'll definitely check it out. Um, I have a quick recommendation before we get into the meat of today's topic. Ooh, yes. Uh, I know we mentioned last week, or maybe it was the week before, I was going to watch the uh, before... Um, Sunrise uh, Trilogy by Richard Linklater. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much did. Um, I watched the first two. And I gotta say, um, such an interesting concept for, you know, a trilogy of films. Um, that works well. It pays off. Um, I loved the first two movies before sunrise and before sunset i haven't got around to watching before midnight yet i have to rent it from youtube um and currently your boy broke so waiting on that <laughs> paycheck uh <laughs> but um yeah it's uh they're really good like the dialogue i thought that they were improvising it 
um, at first. And they may, I haven't looked into much of the production of, of these films yet, um, but they may, they very well could have been improvising their conversations, um, especially in the first train uh, sequence in Before Sunrise, the first movie, because it feels so organic. It's like reminiscent of like mumblecore films, but the dialogue it, it gets brought up like later, like within the story, like stories that I, I remember, for example, there's a story in the, in the, in the first train sequence uh, in the first film that Ethan Hawke is telling um, to this girl. And uh, it feels so like on the spot, like he's really just like trying to flirt with this girl. But then that story gets brought up like later, you know, in the film, in their dialogue. And I'm like, was it improv or are, is this just really good direction because this feels so natural and it feels so, you know, just organic. Um, and the characters are likable. They both have flaws. And in the second movie, you know, it's nine years later. So like they've changed as people. And so like they have different flaws and, and different philosophies about life than when we've seen them last. And it feels so, you know, real, um, and it's so interesting. I, I, I love these movies. Um, this is like one of the best like romance stories <laughs> ever told, uh, in my opinion, uh, so far. I mean, I hope the third one really ties it up, but from what I can tell based on the reviews, you know, it's just as good as the other two. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to watch the, uh, the last one. I'm, uh, I really enjoyed the first two. I watched them both in, in one night, uh, I was just going to watch one, uh, but then I, uh, I, I had to know like what the next movie, cause the, you know, the first one ends on such a, such a cliffhanger note. So I was like, you know, I got to go to the next movie and it's like nine years later and, uh, it's, uh, it was, it's so good. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, I just watched them both on one night, set up to like five thirty in the morning watching them before I finally went to sleep. But, uh, <laughs> Dude, irresponsible. Um, I know. I gotta quit doing that. Dingus. I know. I got I, uh, one semester of school left. I need to start going to sleep. <laughs> I, I I'm very curious about that trilogy. Like I, I definitely expressed my interest in it last week, and I, I I still haven't seen the first movie, but I'm getting around to it. I just really like the idea that Richard Linklater is, um, you know, like that he's playing with time so much in this trilogy, and like he he really seems to enjoy um ha- telling a story over like many years and it just yeah. feels so epic in that sense that like those movies span like 20 years i think like from 1995 to like 2015 right or right right yeah something like that yeah like i i just i think that's so awesome that you get to see those actors grow up and those characters grow up too like it just sounds like a really intriguing concept and i think i'm going to jump on board soon yeah it, it definitely is. It's super cool. I, I love them. I think uh, the idea is just brilliant. Like, you know, taking the same actors every nine years, making a movie that's, that's like the same storyline. And it being, you know, like a, like a love story. It's crazy good. He, he handles it with like a delicacy that uh, is just astounding. Because, you know, it could be just... It's it it sounds very gimmicky, but he does it with taste, and uh, it's it's I love him. I yeah I can't recommend him enough. If you haven't seen the before trilogy, um, go check it out. It's really good. So, dude, I uh, I definitely have been meaning to get around to it. But what I did start doing this week instead of watching before trilogy is <laughs> I I started. Um, a rewatch of the original Star Wars trilogy. Heck yeah. Um, Kennedy had never watched any Star Wars movies before, so it was like, oh, let's, wow. let's get on this. I mean, and that's like every white guy's thing is like, oh, you haven't seen Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> True. But uh, it was it was like I was approached about a desire to see Star Wars. Okay, and I just, I fueled that um, instinct, and I was like, let's sit down and watch it. This is my first time watching Star Wars, um, this original trilogy, not on my VHS tapes that I have at home. Um, so it's it's been real surreal so far. Uh, 
watching New Hope and having those digitally added scenes in there because I never realized how distracting mm. they were. Like, uh, there's this shot where they're driving into Moss Eisley, and George Lucas for some reason has inserted like a, a giant green CGI uh, yep. creature in front of the shot. Yep. And it just walks by like painfully slow. It, and you're like, why? Why did you put that in there? Like, did you just not like how that shot looked? Or <laughs> it looks infinitely worse now. Yeah. There's a bunch of stupid, you know, CGI crap thrown into the uh, thrown into the, the, the special editions and whatnot. And I have never seen the original edits without all that crap in them because i cannot find them anywhere yeah they're they only exist on vhs anymore like if you watch them on disney plus they're gonna be um they're gonna be the digital edits if you buy it on blu-ray it's gonna be the digital edits depending on when you bought it on dvd it's either gonna be really terrible cg or slightly less terrible cg and then, uh, yeah, I think the last release of the original Star Wars movies was like 1997, like, or or maybe a little bit earlier. And th- those are untouched. And that's what I grew up with is this little yeah. VHS collection. So I was very surprised as I got older to learn like, oh, Hayden Christensen has been digitally inserted. Um, yeah. There's a scene with Jabba the Hutt in New Hope now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they have episode names well okay my vhs tapes had episode names like a new hope and empire strikes back and like you know numbers but Mm. like back in the day you know it was just called star wars and then it was just called empire strikes back and then it was just called return of the jedi it wasn't four five and six Mm -hmm. It's, it's it's always very weird explaining that to someone who's new to star wars like yes we're watching episode four right now but no we don't need to go and watch episode one because this is the order in which they were made, and so they could be viewed in this order. And in fact, this is the preferred viewing order of many people. Like it's just so fucking complicated these days. Yeah, yeah. I there is a, I, for anybody that's never watched Star Wars from go at one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, and seven, eight, nine. I guess if you want to add those, but watching them, you know, in chronological order is kind of weird. There's so many inconsistencies and, and plot holes with uh, with how the prequel trilogy was made, um, mm-hmm. but it's also it's such an experience watching you know, uh, watching that. Uh, how do I say this? I don't know. Watching it in that chronological order in the way that George Lucas kind of intended the story to flow, but. Um, I would say to anybody new to Star Wars, always show them four, five, six first, and then and then one, yeah. two, three, and then seven, eight, nine, um, or just don't show them seven, eight, or nine. Um, I would, I would argue do. like you don't even have to show them the prequels if you don't want to. Um, a lot of people are saying like they watch Rogue One with uh, A New Hope now, like they like <clears throat> to double feature that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's not too bad. I've done that. I don't care for Rogue One. I, I think that it it is a cool idea to have like the last thirty minutes of Rogue One lead into uh, a New Hope, but even then, it makes a weird watching experience. You you see all these modern effects and like this coked out like Darth Vader, and then you turn on a New Hope and he's like chill, and, like just walking around and shit, <laughs> and like yeah, yeah, you know, he, he lightsaber fights Obi Wan, and it's just like awkward standing, <laughs> right, you, right. You go from that hallway scene to that, like not, I don't know, that just yeah. doesn't sound like a very yeah, viewing experience for me. The yeah, the prequels and the and the original trilogy are definitely not consistent at all with that. Uh, well, I can point to like the most obvious thing. um that 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 really like throws me off um you know the original trilogy has this certain aesthetic to it like almost like a western um the technology is is super um i would say almost almost steampunk not really steampunk but it's not it's um you know it's like very rustic technology whereas in the, in the prequel trilogy it's very high tech and uh modern more modern looking 
And for example, people always point to, you know, Coruscant, the city of Coruscant being so, you know, unnatural to the, to what we saw in the original, uh, trilogy. Um, the original trilogy, all the planets we visit with the exception of, of cloud city, but even, even cloud city, they feel so, you know, almost barren, uh, a little, you know, they always have that Western kind of, you know, lonely uh, aesthetic to them. And it's yeah. very, it's very prehistoric almost. And I think that works better because, you know, the opening crawl a long time ago, a very long time ago, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, it's, I feel like it fits the tone better. And then, then we jump into the prequels and there's like, fucking like energy ball cannons in the, in the city of Coruscant looking like, you know, yeah. New York city, 300 years in the future. It's, it's so inconsistent. It's and, just like uh, the, the world is like filled with a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. like every world is like super overpopulated. It's like, how did this even become the world of the original trilogy where you go to a planet and most of the time it's just so big that, you know, you don't encounter most other life on it. Like if you go to Hoth, there's like that one rebel base and then just yeah. a bunch of open snow and then if you go to Tatooine there's like the Mos Eisley spaceport and like a few like you know Tuscan Raiders out in the desert and then yeah. it's just like barren like, right like how do you go from that to like 20 years earlier apparently there was just like a city planet where the city was so big that you can't even see the bottom and like it just doesn't look like Star Wars and and I mean people have a very valid point that at least George Lucas was like keeping creativity and like the prequel trilogy feels very distinct from the original trilogy. It has its own identity because of that. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, each world is very unique. And I, I, I respect that about George Lucas's filmmaking is that like he, he does create uh unique worlds and they've all got their own things and they're, they're very interesting to explore. Like I think Coruscant as an idea is very, interesting i think naboo with like the the gungan uh mm-hmm. like ocean world and like the, yeah the naboo citizens on the surface is pretty interesting it's underdeveloped but like it's very visually interesting to like look at um and that's something i would say that the sequel trilogy lost is like the idea of like newer places like there's mm-hmm. a few planets that are just desert planets in the sequel trilogy like to the point that they have one called jakku which is supposed yeah. to be a tatooine stand stand in and then they like eventually are like oh we should have just had it be tatooine the whole time and they go back to tatooine Literally. it's like uh what happened to originality you know it makes you miss it a little yeah bit. yeah um I agree. Uh, before we go further, I feel like we should point out to the listeners um, that if things sound different, um, it's because we're recording uh, from home separately. Yeah. Um, we just I just wanted to put that out there. Um, uh, I'm not really sure if it makes – it won't make really a difference to the viewers. The mic quality will definitely be better. Um, yeah, it should, more than it should improve now because yeah. we, we've each got our own mic that we're talking into. Right. But yeah, these are just, uh, these are scary times. There's a coronavirus mm-hmm. variant out there now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with the vaccine going around, uh, people are going to start getting the false uh, notion that m- maybe they can't spread it anymore. But I, I would like to just inform anyone who's maybe getting vaccinated that um, you st- still can carry the 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 virus and spread it Mm -hmm. to others you yourself won't get sick so i think it's it's important to like really double down on our social distancing and our mask wearing and i think that um you know casey and i have have agreed that recording remotely is probably the safest option for us because another stipulation is you don't want to talk to someone without a mask for like more than 15 minutes um even if you're not feeling symptoms like that's still not recommended um Mm -hmm. And I mean, to be honest, like I, I do miss, I do miss the presence that we have when we share the same room, but like, I, uh, I don't feel like anything is really lost, you know, no. uh, discussion wise, like we, we can still have these discussions safely. And I think that's a big thing is that we can still do a lot of the things we want to do. Um, 
social distance like you know don't let don't let social distancing and being safe like stop you from you know being with your people and like talking yeah. to them like there's always a way definitely yeah i agree we uh we just thought this would be the best decision you know at least for right now um hopefully in the future when it gets better we can uh i would like to uh get back to face to face you know conversations me um, too man yeah it's it, it it's something different you know about actually being there with the person and talking that's nice but there's not a whole lot lost here i i enjoy this right now we're having the same discussion um you know that we would be having uh, if we were you know sitting next to each other but um you know hopefully that uh um, I'm an optimist, so hopefully the world gets better. <laughs> but uh, I think I think we're uh, I think we're headed there. I mean, yeah, it it's scary right now. I mean, breaking away from film, like you know, recent events have definitely shaken a lot of people up. You know, I think it's fair to admit um, that even probably a lot of Trump supporters are feeling a little bit scared and confused about like where we're going, like whether. Um, you know whether they've been lied to or not and i think that uh this is an important time to really assess like where we're at in our nation and how um everything that's going on makes us feel because like truly if you don't feel great about it i think that this is a great time to uh advocate for the change you want you know with joe Mm -hmm. joe biden stepping into the office uh here in a couple weeks like a lot of people are upset. A lot of people are angry. And then, of course, a lot of people uh, are thinking like, oh, maybe this isn't enough of a change. And I think that, you know, if people want something to go their way, if they want change to happen in the world, they've got to put it out there. Um, so I think that, like, let this period of time be a chance for you to reflect on, like, where uh you want this country to go and like how uh how everything happening makes you feel and like assess your beliefs like i think this is the perfect time to to just step back and analyze everything going on and um i mean hopefully come to the conclusion that we we need to come together and make some change happen because god it's scary right now it really is yeah yeah it really is i've I've recently, um, I, I started, uh, I subscribed to the, the AP, um, the alternative press, um, oh, because I thought it was the associated or associate. Yeah, you're right. Associated press. Sorry. Not alternative press. Um, but, um, cause I did some research on what the most like unbiased, like news sources are ones that don't have put opinion pieces in there because I think now more than ever, it's really important to get just the facts and kind of, you know, base what you've read and form your own opinions rather than watching a right-leaning or a left-leaning news source and have them uh, have these opinion pieces or these theories, basically, uh, and tote them as, like, fact that so many people get wrong. And so I did my research, and uh, the AP is a pretty good um, platform that uh, you just get, you know, whatever the fact is you get the news story and it's just the facts it's literally just what they found out and you know nothing else um so that's what i've been kind of focusing on is just getting just getting the news um i don't i don't like watching any any bias uh, sort of like left leaning or or right leaning um news sources yeah. um, and-, and i think that's important for everyone to do as well honestly not telling you how to live your life but you know I, I think it's important. And I, I think that um, one of the, the biggest things right now is it's very easy to uh, dismiss facts as uh, bias these days. Like a lot of, um, and I mean, hey, this is warranted because it is mostly Trump supporters saying this, but like a lot of people will go like fake news mm-hmm. if the facts often don't agree with them. And I think that exactly. it's time that we, we start... Um, assessing reality a little bit yeah like i i I think that this virus was a big uh point for me where i was like i'm kind of sick of people denying what a straight up fact is like you know we can only take this fake news climate 
for so long before we have to just accept that not everything can be fake you know like something has to be real like you know the these trump supporters that stormed the capitol people are already starting conspiracy theories that this is uh antifa dressing up as trump supporters Mm -hmm. and taking the capital because uh people just simply can't get their heads around the idea that uh the president incited violence at the capitol and 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 the fact of the matter is uh any unbiased source will show you simply what happened you know trump Mm -hmm. gave a speech and was like hey let's walk down pennsylvania avenue and the supporters from that rally and many others stormed the Capitol and took it over. Like, that is the simple fact of the matter. Like, any clips you watch without commentary will show you that. Um, and yet, even with all that out there, you know, there's so much uh, denial happening. Like, even in our own government, like, several representatives still voted to uh, overturn the election results. And... Uh, I just simply have no patience for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Get a hold of yourself. Get into reality. Um, You know, listen to NPR. Like, truly, (laughs) any any news outlet that just happens to say facts that disagree with what your perceived reality is, that's that's on you, you know? Mm -hmm. That's not on NPR. They're not left-leaning or anything. They're just... They're saying the facts. The Associated Press is saying the facts. And these are reputable news sources for a reason because they've always stated the facts and they haven't introduced bias into it. That's why yeah. when, you know, the Associated Press calls an election, like, that's seen as a pretty official uh, mm-hmm. standard of how that election is actually going. Like, Yeah. And, and they always have sources for everything. So, you know, if you're ever unsure about something, you know, they always, like, say, like, we got this information from the, the top of this, like straight from the FBI director, straight from, you know, Congress, straight from this, straight from that, uh, you know, eyewitness accounts and, and every, everything. It's, you know, it's all based in fact and they can back it up with sources. Um, I, I would say that's like the number one thing that I feel like people should really investigate more is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a habit we should um, form in school, obviously. But checking our sources, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a lost art. And I'm guilty of this too. Like I'll read a headline, and I won't click on the article, and I'll walk away with that headline. And the situation is often a bit more nuanced than that, or you know, yeah. the the sources uh, in the article actually aren't all that great. Um, and I get it. Yeah, like we live in a clickbait like headline time where you know everything's so attention grabbing we don't maybe always have time to like dive further into what is actually going on but i think it's something that we should um you know be more vigilant about is checking what we're sharing because this is how misinformation um which is an enemy to everyone by the way like misinformation helps no one on either side Mm -hmm. No. Um, this is just a big way in how it's spread. It's, it's just people sharing things blindly. And, you know, I, I, I think I've, I've done it before probably. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on, uh, being as accurate as I can because we just, we can't have that anymore. We really have such a rampant problem with people hearing all kinds of conspiracy theories and mistaking mm-hmm. it for fact that we need to really crack down on uh on what we're sharing these days yeah while while conspiracy theories can be fun um to talk about and to um kind of you know chew over i'm guilty of like talking about conspiracy theories like all the time that some of them are really interesting um but at the same time you know it's a, a conspiracy theory you know it's and some of them are not based in any factual evidence like whatsoever um, and that's really dangerous to be being touted on the, uh, on the news all the time. Um, it's super dangerous mm-hmm. for for everybody. So, um, <clears throat> well, yeah, that's our that's our quick spiel. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we had, I mean, we, we try and keep it mainly movies, but yeah, you know, the the world around us is turning. 
and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'd this rather is, uh... I'd rather history look back and and see that we we you know we weren't ignorant to what was happening around us you know yeah definitely so anyway mm. Star Wars <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> yeah um I uh. I was thinking that, you know, instead of doing our big, like, Star Wars media episode today, we could talk about some recent developments, like The Mandalorian Season 2 wrapping up, and uh, yeah. this this High Republic that uh, is coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to say, uh, Mando Season 2, pretty good. I liked it a lot more than Season 1, anyway. Uh I think that I I am alone in thinking that the last episode was a bit of a letdown, but but I'm still you no. Know, you're not entirely show. alone. You're not entirely alone. I kind of agree with you. Like I, I'm I'm still a fan of the show, and I'll mm-hmm. definitely be watching season three. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, dude. It's just like I don't know what the stakes of the Mandalorian are anymore. And I mean something that's been up with the show for a while is like all the characters are invincible you know the the mandalorian the the in-universe explanation is he's got beskar armor which Mm. apparently can just like deflect like all kinds of like blades and uh, yeah it's the star wars equivalent of uh vibranium (laughs) in the marvel universe yeah but like like, indestructible whereas the marvel universe will allow its main character to get a beat down like every once in a while like captain america gets his ass handed to him every now and then you know um i feel like the the mandalorian faces like actual threats like very far and 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 few you know yeah there there's like one part of the finale where i think the mandalorian is in any actual danger and right. then everything else is like a deus ex machina or he's mm-hmm. just just he's too invincible and so are the side characters i think that's a yeah. big thing that annoys me about mandalorian is like half its side characters are like getting spinoffs like there's going to be a cara dune spinoff boba fett is confirmed mm-hmm. to have a spinoff coming out next year like uh, the what's the boba fett the book of boba fett like what are we what are we invested in in the current season that we're watching like if everything is going to for sure be continued for these characters and no one ever faces any risks or receives any injury like what do we have to look forward to like just more um invincibility like it's eventually it's essentially just like extended fan service in an episode i feel like at that point right um and that's I think the um, the fir- the first season of Mandalorian, its finale, does a way better job of, of the stakes and and at what's at what's at risk, and Mando gets a pretty hard beat down, and so do the side characters in season one. Um, it it feels hard fought too. Like they they ki- sorry spoilers now for Mandalorian season one yeah, and spoilers. two spoilers 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 you've been warned okay you've go ahead. been warned but like mm-hmm. at the at the end of Mando season one like Moff Gideon tracks them down he kills the uh the guy who says the thing what what does he say it's like um oh this is the way or no what does he say uh, uh it is happens? it is spoken oh. what does he say <laughs> I have no idea. Um, let me see. It's okay. that random alien guy. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I uh, have spoken. That's what I've, it says. Yeah. They kill that I've, guy. And he was like yeah. a beloved side character throughout the whole season. But like, I really respected like, oh my God, the stakes are real. Like, right. People right. you care about could die. Um, Giancarlo Esposito as, as, uh, Moff Gideon is really scary. Um, like he's just like intimidating yeah. as hell, and that's yeah. the thing is like it. They they have to fight really hard to win in that situation, and and what I feel like went wrong in Mando season two is like they don't have to work 
at all that season. Like, they raid, like, four different Stormtrooper bases and ships throughout the season. It's easy. With no consequences, hardly, you know? Yeah, it's easy every single time. I think the the, the only time that the characters show any effort in what they're doing is in that second-to-last episode with Bill Burr. And, like, he's got to fight, like, space pirates. And he doesn't have his Beskar armor anymore. He's got, like, that Stormtrooper armor that's falling apart. And yeah. that is what I would have liked to have seen more of throughout the season mm-hmm. is, like... Yeah. You know, like, danger. Prevalent danger, like, in a scene. Mm-hmm. And, that, that was one of my favorite episodes, too, actually. The, the penultimate episode to the season. Yeah. Um, I really liked I, that one. Yeah, I, I, there was a real danger in that episode for our characters the entire time, um, and not to mention the uh, the dialogue between um, uh, what's his name? I forget his name. I um, Bill Burr. Bill Burr's character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't um, remember his Star Wars name. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. Star Wars names are hard to remember, but <laughs> yeah, um, his his character um, and that dialogue with the with the the Imperial uh, officer, you know. The the Mandalorian has done a really good job of of new of bringing a nuance to the you know the Imperial like army um, basically yeah um, that's really interesting uh, and something that I think the original you know tr- the, that the movies are missing is that is that nuance and that compli- like compli- uh, complicated um, ideology of you know the uh, the empire um and it just really adds some weight to it um and that's why i love that episode so much it's you know i don't it feels to me the empire feels like at least in the mandalorian feels like remnants of like you know the nazi regime uh yeah sorry uh which i which i mean if you know me i love like studying about world war ii love learning about hitler and the nazis and everything like that and so like they are very obviously drawing comparisons you know from the empire to um hitler's you know army and his following and everything and there's a lot of like sentiments that are shared across you know you know that again nazis and you know imperials especially bill burr's character you know um regretting you know being in in that and uh trying to atone for his sins in that episode, which, and it, it totally adds just another layer of, of, of depth to his character um, that I didn't really get in when he was in that first episode in the first season, even though I liked that episode and I liked his character then. This just builds on it even more, and I hope we see him in season three, to be honest with you, because I want to see his character f- develop even further. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked Mandalorian season two. I thought it was I thought it was a pretty solid season. Um, yeah, I mean, like in the end, I like it more than season one. Yeah. I, I I I was definitely disappointed with what it built up to, but I thought like yeah, the individual stories in this episode were a lot better. Like the first episode felt like such a classic Western movie, and the, oh yeah, and the one with Ahsoka mm-hmm. was just really well done. Like, yeah. I I'm not sure how i feel about the overarching story in uh mandalorian but i've got to say like from an individual like storytelling like episodic storytelling perspective i think that mandalorian is is really solid and definitely higher up there in current star wars media like it's probably the best thing we've got going on for star wars right now definitely because if it it feels the most star wars you know because Star Wars, when it was, you know, when George Lucas first, like, made it, you know, the, with the original trilogy, it's a space western, like a, like a epic space western, by and by, and Mandalorian feels more like a western than anything. It has all the, especially the first episode of season two, is the most western it's ever gotten, and the most, like, Star Wars-y, I think, and, which I love, because I love westerns, and it's got it written all over it, the Mandalorian does, you know, the lone the lone bounty hunter, like he's a bounty hunter, you know, and he works alone. He's like, he has that, that revolver kind of laser pistol. Like it's, um, and just like the themes as well. Uh, it's sort of like, he's almost like the man with no name. I mean, they call him, we don't really, I mean, I guess we know his real name, but like when we first meet him, he's just the Mandalorian or, or Mando. It's kind of like 
Clint Eastwood's character of a preacher and pale rider. They you don't know his name. He's just called preacher. Um, same thing with the with the Dollars trilogy. He's just the man with no name. He's the yeah. What or, do they call or him? Blondie in the third one. Bl- you're yeah. Blondie exactly. It, it, it's it, the mythology is is super cool to see. Um, I think Mandalorian is is the most reminiscent of original Star Wars, and I love that. And I hope season three continues that. Um. Because they got two solid seasons out, pretty solid seasons out right now. Um, yeah, I, w- I would love to see it um, maintain that level of quality <clears throat> and maybe the overarching story uh, get more stakes in there. Yeah. That'd be yeah, exquisite. Just, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, well, we talked about The Mandalorian, but... Um, I uh, I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit because I've never seen this um, particular piece of Star Wars media, but uh, the Clone Wars. Have you watched the Clone Wars um, the show? So I haven't watched the three D animated one all that much. Okay. I did watch like the original one on Cartoon Network, like that Gindy Tartakovsky did the the guy behind yeah, Samurai yeah. Jack, and that mm-hmm. show is metal as hell. That that was <laughs> awesome. Um, it's like the only bit of Star Wars media where General Grievous isn't like a, an asthmatic wuss. <laughs> That's like <laughs> the best way I can explain that. Um, like he's just so threatening and menacing and it ties into Revenge of the Sith, which was very cool. Um, I hear that this new 3D uh, series also ends up tying into Revenge of the Sith in its final season. But man, right. back in like 2000. 2004 like whenever the finale of clone wars came on and like chancellor palpatine got kidnapped and it was like oh my god this is going to be a plot point in revenge of the sith that was like really amazing to watch i i remember that feeling like a big moment um yeah and that whole 2d animated series is on youtube and it's been edited into like a two-hour movie i think it i think it holds up remarkably well I would, I would that's, recommend that's cool. people go watch that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out because, because um, like, well, in the in the 3D animated Clone Wars, there's so much content. There's like a um, hundred episodes at least. Yeah, I and I, I'm not a big like TV show binge watcher, really. You know, like I'll been like I binged Barry. I think I've talked about this before yeah. about my binging habits, but you know, I I don't know. Um, I might. Just because I know that everybody was saying like the last season that they recently came out with to tie it all up was super good, um, is what I've heard. I've so, heard I've heard kind of mixed things that it was like half of it was good and then half of it mm-hmm. was like filler, and that's the thing is right. I hate like cartoon filler. Yeah, you know, like I I think that's a number one reason why I don't watch like more like cartoon shows is that. So much of it is like bad and or just like it has nothing to do with anything else. It's just like pointless filler. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would I would definitely I would definitely like to see um, the show, but it, yeah, just that holds me back from it is all of it so i think i think like i would go in with one of those watch guides that's like skip around yeah, through these yeah. episodes you know <clears throat> my uh my cousin uh when he got into doctor who he did that with doctor who there were somebody went through and uh and compiled a list of all the important episodes that you could watch that are important to the main story and then they're just the filler episodes and i remember being so just kind of <laughs> weirded out by that because I'm sure you can do that with the Clone Wars because I know the Clone Wars, I've heard they've got some like just straight up like filler, like it deviates completely from the main story uh, and goes somewhere else. But I felt like with a show like Doctor Who, there are some episodes that may seem like a random adventure and then they later the importance of a character or a plot point in the episode comes back in like the next season and it has huge ramifications for you know what happens next and i've so people who just watch you know quote unquote 
essential episodes would be at a disadvantage because they wouldn't know what what the heck is going on. And Doctor Who is so complicated and convoluted as it is, you know. Um, uh, I mean, here's my hot take on that. I I think Doctor Who is very episodic, and there there's like mostly in this newer era of Doctor Who, like Stephen Moffat's like matt smith era and like peter capaldi like you probably have to watch more episodes to understand fully what's going on but like i would say especially earlier doctor who it's just individual episodes and a lot of them are just really silly and cheesy and like i think that skip guides account for that like i do that with star trek i um i use a skip guide for for star trek shows because so many of the episodes are just like pointless or boring Mm -hmm. or just bad like half of star trek is like that so it's Mm -hmm. it's nice to have like an episode guide that'll be like oh you can watch this for continuity so because it comes up later you know uh, these episodes are skippable but they're pretty good if you want to watch them these episodes Mm -hmm. are straight up trash skip them (laughs) like i i like having that because i I have a hard time with longer shows like that. Like, Star Trek seasons are always, like, 26 episodes. And, like, right. I know that, like, almost half of those episodes are going to be usually pretty bad. Other than, like, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which has, like, some of the finest writers ever. Um, yeah. Anyway, watch I- Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just have, a like, an inclination to be, like... Well, I guess it's really just with Doctor Who, I guess. I don't know, because I love Doctor Who, even though it can get super campy and cheesy. And super, some of the episodes are really silly. Um, and I need to catch up, honestly, because I haven't, I haven't caught up with the new Doctor. But I feel Doctor Who's a special show where I think every, pretty almost, I'm going to say almost every, there are a couple of episodes in there that are pretty heinous. Yeah. But... Um, but I feel for the most part, Doctor Who's a pretty special show, and it's entertaining enough to where each episode is going to be pretty entertaining and and you know memorable. Like I, I mean, I can I can think of so many episodes that I love, um, and that I would go back and watch like right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, um, yeah, that was. Yeah. That was some sci-fi spill. That this yeah. has been kind of like an episode like last week's where we yeah where we just, just kind of ramble again. Yeah, I mean it's I, it's different. We're just trying to find our footing with this whole recording, you know, separately mm. thing. So um, if you liked, you know, last week's episode with the rambling, uh, sort of kind of you know less cohesive, uh, talking about a little bit of this, a little bit of that kind of style, then you'll probably like like this episode. And if you don't like that, then don't worry. Uh, next week's episode is going to be uh, back to a main uh, point of focus. A little bit, yeah. A little bit of a. It's going to be a banger next week. I'm actually really excited for the topic next week. So we've got we've got a good one picked out. So definitely yeah. stay, stay tuned, yeah. man. Stay, stay tuned. tuned, yeah. But yeah, yeah, let us know how you like the the remote setup. Uh, you know these episodes. We definitely read everything you guys send and. You know, we try and uh, we try and be people pleasers, okay? You know, mm, we like yeah. pleasing the peoples. We like uh, we like listening to the fans. Um, so yeah, we do we do appreciate uh, the continued support um, and all of it, and hopefully uh, everybody will uh, stick with us. Um, there's not there's not been one time yet where I have. Uh, not wanted to do, to record or not wanted to do this podcast like i this is like my favorite part of uh i look forward to this every week honestly <laughs> me too man me yeah. fucking too i it's so fun i love this i love that we do this and uh hopefully you guys like it too because we're gonna keep doing it anyway even if you don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um oh um before we go though i would really like to stress to our viewers please give us some topics that you would want to talk that you want to hear us talk about or that you would you know like to engage with us with after listening to an episode of because um we don't want to i don't know i feel like uh, i just really want to hear feedback from our viewers and listeners and if there's anything y'all are interested in hearing then uh we would definitely talk about it Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we're only of, two minds. We could only think of exactly. two ideas. Like yeah, at a we've time. only had two ideas. <laughs> two ideas every week. <laughs> we need at least one more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. So let us know. Um, and as always, keep the spirit alive. It's Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>